Hello and welcome to the Grazia Fashion Podcast, Why I Wear It. This morning was a bit of a, a rush job to get the kids to school. So actually, I'm in an outfit that I wore last night at the Farmer Times Awards. I'm your host, Laura Antonia Jordan, and I love talking about the thinking behind what we wear, even if that thinking has lasted two seconds as you reach for the outfit you wore the night before. My style of clothing is a little bit uh, what I called uh, Indo-fusion, so it's Indian slash Western clothes. I like it because it's colourful, vibrant, got lots of detail, but it's actually what we call a churidar in India. This episode, I'm talking to Divya Chadha Manek. She was recently awarded an OBE for her work on the UK National Vaccine Task Force, but her day job is Director of Business Development and Marketing for the National Institute for Health Research. And actually, it was a coffee morning at my daughter's school and I got so many comments going, oh my God, you look amazing. I don't tell anyone that it was like last night's outfit or that I hadn't taken my makeup off either from last night. Um, I just woke up looking fabulous. She talks about how a life in science does not mean a life in a lab coat, how she did much of her work on the task force at home in her pink pyjamas, and how her upbringing in India has influenced her style today. Hello, Divya Chadamanek. It's a delight to welcome you to Why I Wear It. Thank you for joining us. My it's pleasure. Pre- is that something that's important to you to reflect your heritage in what you wear? Yes, that, that to me is important because um, I did grow up in India. So I spent 18 years of my life um, in India. So I'm from Calcutta. And I've and in fact, it's funny, you spend 18 years of your life growing up. I grew up in a, in a family that wasn't very traditional. So I was able to so I did sports. So I was able to wear shorts and wear what I wanted to wear. But when there were family occasions, you had to wear Indian clothes. And that was important. You must wear them, especially being a girl in the families. I used to hate it then. And now that I've left India and I'm here, now it's all about, well, how can I wear more of the things that really represent my cultural identity? So I do, actually. In fact, I'm looking at my wardrobe right now. I have a section in my wardrobe that's more work, non-ethnic. I have a section that's mixed, so you can get away with it because it, it's, it can be worn to work. It's light. It's not heavy. And I have a full-length cupboard on the other side, which has the full-length Indian clothes in it. So that's the sections of my wardrobe. But but to me, it is it is important. And as I grow up older, and I've got two girls who love dressing up, it's it's become an important part of my life now. Do you find it creates conversation? They're conversation pieces. People ask you a lot about what you're wearing and the stories behind them. Absolutely. In my in my job, in my role, normally, you know, people at work, we tend to wear our suits, you know, business suits, I call it my power coat or my pearls of power, all of those different things that, you know, people wear at work. But I find that when I'm wearing something that's a little bit out of the typical ordinary thing, like a, a white shirt or whatever it is that people might wear, that people stop and have a conversation with you and will will ask you about, oh, you, you're looking very colourful. I get that very regularly. You're looking very colourful today. 
so it is a conversation starter. And in my in my role so as director of business development and marketing for the National Institute for Health Research, uh, which is the NIHR, I am responsible for engaging with our customers and sponsors and funders of research internationally. That could include the life sciences sector or the charitable sector to bring more clinical trials to the UK. And to be able to do that, you need to network a lot. Um, a lot of it, actually. And so when you're, you walk into a room that's full of people that you don't know, the best thing that you can do really is wear pieces of clothes that are conversation starters. So I tend to wear ethnic clothes or loud, colorful clothes or shoes that are a little bit glitzy and glamorous. So people are like, oh, I love your clothes or a different style of makeup. So all of these things, I think, are conversational starters. And I, I definitely like that way of getting into a conversation. Yeah, you're right. Clothes, I think, can be a wonderful gesture of connection to the outside world. And I woke up the other day in an absolutely foul mood, went out in a nice dress, and this woman just went, cool dress, as I walked past. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) And then later on, someone else was like, nice bag. And I was like, yeah, this is what clothes can do. They can be... It's not just about how you feel in them, which is of paramount importance, but it also offers something to the people around you. And I think in a professional arena, that is really can be very valuable. And clothes, I think, give you, I mean, it's interesting you say that about clothes and confidence. And it's a joke in the office. My, my colleagues listening might uh, might laugh and know about this. So when I We've all spent 18 months, haven't we, on, on Zoom calls and, and working from home. And if, I'm, if I've got full, a, a face full of makeup, people know that I'm going for an, a customer-facing, I've got a customer-facing call or, a, or an important meeting that day. Um, because you put your face on, I, as I call it, I'm putting my face on. My husband sometimes jokes and says, um, I, you know, there might come a point where iPhone might not recognize you because of face recognition and I'm putting my face on with makeup. But it's it's that air of it gives you that air of confidence. And so does clothing and, and so does clothing so that you you come across to whoever you're trying to influence and you're trying to negotiate and you're trying to build a relationship with them. And that gives them a sense of security, I guess. It is weird because you can, you know, on the other hand, you can never judge a book by its cover. But in in the professional world, I think it gives that sense of, okay, there's a a smartly dressed woman and I think she knows what she's talking about. I could know what I'm talking about and not be smartly dressed, but it gives, gives across that perception of who I could be. But also it helps me with my own sense of confidence. So the red lippy is, is a big one. It's all about confidence. Yeah, mine's black eyeliner. Um, mm. I feel naked without it. <laughs> so you mentioned the last 18 months, but you have been enormously busy. Would you be able to tell me about a bit about your work on the vaccine task force? Yeah, sure. So, and, and I'll go a little bit before vaccine task force, actually. So I've been working with the National Institute for Health Research for more than 14 years. I smile about it now because I remember, you know, fresh out of university starting starting my job and then and uh, recruiting patients to clinical trials. That was my first ever job. So my job was to convince people that this is, you're doing it for altruism, you're doing it for advancement of science. And 
And actually the last 18 months have shown that actually you do it for yourself now because you taking part in trials will give you outcomes for yourself now. But in the start, in the beginning of the pandemic last year, I was responsible for working with the life sciences sector um, who were developing treatments of COVID. So I was working mainly on the therapeutic trials from, from March onwards. And that was an intense period of ramping, ramping up. And then in May, I was seconded out to the vaccine task force. Um, and what an incredibly brilliant team um, I worked with. And my job there was to essentially work with the developers of the vaccines and try and see if we could run the clinical trials in the UK. And firstly, convincing them. Again, there was a lot of uh, wearing appropriate clothing to try and negotiate influence and, and to be able to convince them to run their trials in the UK, but then also to deliver it as well, support the delivery and oversight of it in the country. And I'm now able to reflect on the last kind of 18 months and go, wow, what an incredible ecosystem, clinical research ecosystem that really came together. So it has been an incredible 18 months. And I can tell you majority of that I have spent in my pink pajamas sitting at my dining table and working from there so yeah you say that and you 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 very um generously say that it's a huge ecosystem of people but you've been an important part of that and you have been awarded an OBE for your work um congratulations thank you and I heard a lovely story about when you left India, your dad said to do something so amazing that you get to meet the Queen. So you've done that, <laughs> or you will do that. Have you thought about what you might wear for that occasion? I have thought about it slightly, mainly because I don't know when I'm going to see the Queen. So fashion changes very quickly. So um, that's an important thing, got to keep up with it. But um, one of the things I have been thinking about is whether I go in ethnic clothes or whether I go in a in a traditional kind of the, the dress as you you may with a hat because I have never worn a hat ever so uh, what more opportunistic time to be able to wear a hat and and go somewhere I'm still still umming and ahhing about which direction and I go and normally I just go with what my head says the night before when I'm getting everything ironed and ready so not decided yet when you have a big event or a sort of special occasion what is your approach to getting dressed for that and can you give any examples of a time when you felt like I really nailed it I really got it right it depends so if it's a work occasion or a a kind of more social occasion if it's a more family occasion then I will wear the more traditional Indian attire uh, and when I say traditional, I mean my version of traditional, which is the fusion wear. I'm all for fusion wear that isn't so heavy traditional. But if there was, and it's sitting right there in front of me, actually, in a red colour suitcase, if there was a day when I felt I did well, actually, I didn't do well. Uh, everyone around me who got me ready did well, um, was my wedding day. My outfit and the reason I'm sitting in a suitcase is because it's over 20 kgs in weight. You know, everyone says, oh, it's your wedding day and you've got to, you you look your best. But I felt so incredibly special on that day. Um, you know, that feeling of you're a princess 
it almost did feel like that because you have the 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 jewelry the makeup it was the the very traditional color it was not not the full red that indian brides wear but it was maroon but it had uh, heavy gold embroidery on it um my makeup was on point uh, dare i say and um i had the traditional henna on my hands it was a full attire the full package so that was a day when i felt like i had nailed it and brought my a game to the table fashion a game to the table i think but that's more personal i guess work wise every other year uh we host a national industry event um and this is where we invite over 200 people from the life sciences sector to t- to tell them about how great the uk clinical research environment it is because it is but the last time we did it face to face was in 2018 and i was heavily pregnant i was about 8 months pregnant and there's nothing worse than standing up heavily pregnant going what should i wear to a meeting like this So I bought this dress it was from Zara it was a pink lined dress that had the amazing you know those wavy chiffon tops all over it which meant it covered all my lumps and bumps in the right place I did pair them with some amazingly sparkling blingy Jimmy Choo heels and my feet killed me for it afterwards but they were amazing and and i was at the meeting and no one could tell i was pregnant and 8 months pregnant so i thought that is amazing the fact that i've been able to do all of that and people couldn't even tell it but i felt so good in that outfit my makeup was great but the you know the when you feel conscious of certain areas and you wear clothes that you know are just perfectly glossing over those areas and and just fitting you perfectly because you know finding the a dress that fits you perfectly is just so hard and you know i'm a i'm a typical can i say i'm a typical woman whose body shape has changed sizes shapes all of those things over the years and you know this was my second child so by then your body's already gone through the first round of um, being slightly battered and now i'm on round 2 so you know when you feel like you feel good because of a dress and shoes a pair of shoes that really go well and make you feel amazing so i think those that was a, a amazing work outfit you're a brave woman wearing high heels at 8 months pregnant yes <laughs> and what about if you and your husband have a night yourselves you're going out what would you wear for that god um that's funny um my husband uh, probably will just be in his track pants as he as he normally is track pants and t-shirt uh uh he'll be casual i'll make an effort i will make a little bit of an effort because those date nights are very rare and it's it's nice to be able to dress up a little bit as i say put your glad rags on but some nights i will just also step out in a in a in my in my trackies because you're so shattered uh, from the day so i think dressing up depends on your mood and that's really important so if you've got the energy the effort to I don't know wash your hair straighten it look through your outfit find something or even go out and buy something so I think I'm a little bit of a mix dependent on date nights dependent on the mood Well dressing up is such a treat and it feels more so than ever after the last 18 months and the thing that's nice about it in the context of a date is that it's 
something it's it's lovely to do for yourself but it is also a gesture of respect to whoever you're with actually it's not just for dates it could be dinner with your girlfriends or whatever it's saying I make I've made an effort I'm looking forward to this yeah and and I think you know that's it's really it's interesting you say that because you know I felt like there was a time in my life after I had my first daughter where I didn't make an effort, you know, she, you know, you're a first time mom, you're working, you're a busy mom, you're busy and actually getting dressed and looking good takes time, takes some effort. Um, so I, I, and I wasn't. And when I had my second daughter, I made a conscious decision that, you know what, I'm going to look after myself. I'm going to buy outfits, buy shoes, look, you know, look good, make an effort. Even my husband noticed, oh, you're going out and you're, you know, looking nice and what's happening kind of a thing. <laughs> and it's lovely to be able to do that. And I think, um, you know, I reflect back on that on that period where I just perhaps wasn't so wasn't so into looking after myself. So I think dressing up and doing all of those things actually it's also about looking after yourself, which is which is super important. Divya, can you give me any examples of one where you felt like you missed the brief? Oh, gosh, I've missed the brief many times. I will give you an example. Let me think of one. So, okay, so uh, you might laugh about this one. So many years ago at school, we had this we used to have this occasion it's called children's day so uh, a day when we celebrate children um and in school you were allowed to wear non it was a non-uniform day so you could just wear whatever it is you wanted to wear and normally you know as kids you'd you'd kind of wear jeans and a t-shirt or just something I, i must have been what 13 maybe and um we had gone away and I had seen this yellow turtleneck top which had a and, a and a matching skirt, a crop top, yellow turtleneck crop top and a long tight skirt with a slit down the side. And I'd convinced my mum this was the fashionable thing at the moment. This is me being 13 and I said, I really want it. So my mum said, fine. If you work hard, because this was the ethos in the family, if you work hard and do something, you get rewarded. And actually, uh, you know, it was it was not additional things you wanted, even just the things that you are technically meant to have, as I would call it, my right to things. So, um, so I did well. It was in some exam. I did well, and then I got this, got given this dress, and I was going, when am I going to wear this dress? And so it was Children's Day was coming up and I said, I'm going to wear it to school. So obviously I had zero confidence uh, problems. I rocked up. Everyone else was just wearing some very casual clothes. And there was me with my navel on display, my tie from, you know, the slit really high from the tie and all my teachers looking at me and my principal pulling me to the side and going, I think you need to change out of this outfit. And... Um, my school friends probably still remember the hideously bright yellow outfit I wore. Totally wrong brief. But I was like, I love it. I'm looking great in it. No problem there. That's so funny. You, you're bold. You took me back to a non-school uniform day at my school. 
And my parents were much more fashion forward than I was. And they convinced me to wear these bright orange check trousers. Everyone else was in hoodies and jeans. And I felt so self-conscious. Oh, I can remember that like trying to shrink away, but that's really hard to do in orange check trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Have you always been interested in fashion? No, not really. I'm not I'm not what you would call a fashionable person at all. I, I, I think I have zero fashion sense. I, I rock up to work in, in my wellies. I have these these red hunter wellies. I like colourful clothes. That's me, colourful. Fashionable, probably not. I, I beg to differ. I think that you do have a, a fashion sense from your stories and the pictures I've seen. So you mentioned work. So scientists, it's not just a white coat, lab coat world. No. So I think... I think this is such a myth. You know, clinical research, I think people think that if you do science, then it's all lab-based. So you, you go to work, you sit in a lab, you wear a... doesn't matter what you wear because you're going to wear a white coat on top of it anyways. I mean, clinical research, the general public probably doesn't know what clinical research is. Hopefully in the last 18 months, they now know, well, someone's quoting vaccine efficacy results from a clinical trial. So I think people now really know what re- clinical research is. But clinical research is is so broad. You could be a clinical research practitioner or a nurse who's working at site. You could be a clinical trial pharmacist. You could be anything. So you don't have to be a scientist in a, in, a, in a white coat to be able to contribute to science. You know, just talking about clinical research and the fact that clinical research doesn't, doesn't really have a uniform. So everyone, you know, you know, when you walk into hospital, um, you know, someone wearing blue is, you know, a, a scrub, junior doctor, all the different nurses all have their own kind of attire and and their their identity in terms of an outfit clinical research is actually all embedded within research that's the important thing what what i think is um is an identity that a lot of us have and i'm not wearing it now but um um i have an nihr lanyard it's it's got nihr it's got the colors of the branding of the organization and on that i've got pins small pins that represent different uh, charities, different research groups, different groups that I've supported. And, and I've got one which says, be part of research. And I identify with this. And a lot of people in clin- working in clinical research will probably wear pins which says, I am research or be part of research. And that's that's the identity that we take through our kind of outfit, I guess, and science and clinical research isn't all about white coats, that you can do what I've done, for example, overseen delivery of COVID trials and done all of that, um, wearing whatever you want to wear. You can be as fashionable, you can you can choose not to be. So, so yeah, I, I think that's really important that people realise that you could be wearing anything in, in whatever role you're doing in clinical research. And hopefully one of the positives that has come out of the last 18 months is that for people to see women such as yourself and hear stories like this they can realize first of all the broad scope that a career within the sciences or medicine and can be this huge broad church but also that I hope that will open doors to 
that girls will see women like yourself and realize that this is a career that they can be part of as well you know absolutely and i am so passionate about this and and become more more passionate now you know i'm a mum of two girls and it's really important that people don't see science as as something that is out of reach um you're going to you're going to laugh about this but i grew up being a what i call a 40%er you know the pass mark was 39 at school i always got the 40 uh, that was me throughout my entire schooling schooling life but when it mattered which was uh, equivalent in india the a levels uh, when it mattered i pulled my socks up and i did well and then i came over here and i did psychology it was a science degree it was a uh, bachelor of science in psychology but i didn't really i don't have that medical background so a lot of people think you need to be medically trained to be able to be uh working in 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 science or research and a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to be i did a bachelor's of of uh, science yes i did in psychology but it wasn't medical i was i'm not medically trained i then moved on and i did a masters in clinical research which is very rare that we can actually find a masters degree out there but i did but actually i had no idea what i wanted to do and you don't and i think people also think you have to be very academic to be in science i'm living proof that you don't have to be academic to be able to contribute <laughs> effectively to science and the fact that clinical research is so so broad you can be um and you mentioned earlier that you know i played a i played a role in in the kind of covid response i mean i was a small cog in in the entire ecosystem and that is the beauty of research every little cog really means something because otherwise we wouldn't have got the outputs that we wanted thank you divya and you mentioned your two daughters did motherhood change your style would you say or or your approach to getting dressed oh absolutely i feel i've aged better my fashion <laughs> sense has improved with age as they say Yes so my 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 older daughter particularly is all about getting dressed and and I spent my 18 years playing sports so I had short hair very little dress sense I think shorts t-shirt that type now I put makeup on I get dressed she sees me she knows when I'm wearing you know when I'm wearing a suit that it's an important work meeting and you know if it's a wedding i get dressed up and I, and having having children especially girls i think changes that a little bit it has definitely for me and but i'm also flexible you know i'm also i'm also wanting her to develop her own style because not about what i look like or what i you know i don't have any boundaries um like i know some you know a lot of people say oh no you can't um no wearing revealing dresses or can't wear a bikini if you're young or can't put makeup on if I'm if you're young um i let my children explore a little bit and and have fun have fun because that's i guess that's what dressing up and fashion is about it's it's fun okay, absolutely so if one of your girls said they wanted to go to school in a yellow a bright yellow top <laughs> and a thigh high <laughs> thigh slip skirt how would you feel <laughs> Well, if she has the confidence to rock it, <laughs> then go for it is what I would say. <laughs> Absolutely. So wonderful talking to you. You have so many interesting thoughts on clothes and style and so much more than that. What I ask everybody is why do you think style matters? 
Well, I think clothes matter because if clothes didn't matter, then we'll all be roaming around naked. Let's just be honest. So they do <laughs> matter. And they matter for multiple reasons, because I think the first big thing is they matter for your confidence. What you wear is is your confidence. They matter for your identity um, as well. So what you wear tells a story about who you are as an individual. So I think that is that is important and that's why it matters. And I think it matters because let's be honest, we live in a world where people do have perceptions so, um, of other people based on, on, on looks, on what you're wearing. If that wasn't the case, then we wouldn't have the different brands of clothing and different styles of clothing. So I think that also matters. It's a multitude of reasons, but um, but more most importantly, um, you know, just whatever you put on every day has some thought behind it, even if it's a two second thought, even a two second thought like me this morning going, can I wear last night's clothes again this morning? and look okay in it and look fab in it. And actually it was a coffee morning at my daughter's school and I got so many comments going, oh my God, you look amazing. I don't tell anyone that it was last night's outfit um, or that I hadn't taken my makeup off either from last night. Um, I just woke up looking fabulous. Um, <laughs> but but it is it is very important. Divya, I couldn't agree more. That sums it up exactly what I wanted to do with this podcast, which is that everybody makes a choice every day about something they want to say when they put on clothes even if they're opting out of fashion that's still making a statement and you've just summed it up so perfectly so thank you so much and it's been an absolute delight to speak to you thank you thank you and it's been fun it's been fun to talk about fashion I've never talked about it thanks to Divya Chadha Manek Director of Business Development and Marketing for the National Institute for Health Research Please rate and review Grazia Fashion, Why I Wear It, wherever you get your podcasts.